Welcome to the Underground Podcast, the student ministry of Riverside Community Church. We are happy to have you listening in this week. It's good. I, I know I feel like I say this almost every week, but can you give it up for this worship team, the tech team? Y'all, I, I, I love you, Sarah Lowe. I kind of like you. Um, But I'll tell you, they come here every single Wednesday night, very, very early, just to get ready. And I'll tell you, I could leave like right after that. Worship team, y'all were amazing. So thank you. Thank you so, so much. Well, we are excited to have you here for the first week of what we're calling Vampires. People, yeah, that's right. It's good. It's good. People who suck the life out of you. So that's how we're saying it, to get around it. So it's nice. So your parents don't email me. But if you were in the high school group last year, or last week rather, it feels like last year. We've had such an amazing seven days. Rach was up here and just kind of shared a little bit about the rough week that we were having. And I wish I could tell you that as soon as she preached that message, we got home and everything went back to normal. That ain't the way things work. In fact, our bad week continued on that Wednesday night, and the week kind of continued on as well. I'll tell you, if I'm really upfront with you, it's been a difficult couple of weeks for me. It's been a couple of difficult weeks for our family. And I shared with our team earlier, I had a message that was all set, ready to go. I was up last night. I was sitting at my dining room table, went to bed. I'm ready to preach this message. And throughout the night, I just couldn't sleep. And I finally got up and I really felt God had put on my heart kind of a different message to share with you tonight. So if it feels a little bit different, please bear with me a little bit. One of the things that people that know me very well ask my kids is that I love things that are organized. I love things that are planned out in advance. I love things that are just so. In fact, um, we're looking at taking part of our team to a conference in June, which is a long way away. And I'm already on the computer, like trying to find hotels and Airbnbs. Like, I'm that guy. We go to Disney World and I'm like planning it out 12 months in advance. Please pray for me. I need like a 12-step program. It's ridiculous. I'm hard to live by, hard to live with, I know. But you see, to kind of tell you how kind of intense I can be sometimes is that about 12 months ago, about a year or so ago, Rachel and I and our kids, we got to go to the UK to visit Rachel's family. And while we were there, we stayed with an amazing couple called Ken and Christine Williamson. And before we went there, months and months in advance, I knew one of the things that they always tell you to do when you go to London is check out the changing of the guard, which I don't really understand why that's a big deal, but it's basically guys dressed up in some fancy garb and you watch them walk kind of weirdly, like they held out their legs. Like... And then they turn around and they walk back the other way. I don't know why that's a big deal, but apparently you have to check that out when you're in London. And one of the things that they said is, you're going to have to get there like hours, hours early just to stand and watch this gate and wait for them to come. I'm like, I ain't doing that on my vacation. So I looked up a tour. And so I, I put our tickets in and I said, guess what we're going to do? I have saved us spaces. We're not going to have to go there hours early. I paid an obscene amount of money for all five of us to go. And we're going to get to get right up front and center. We're going to be actually in the palace. You're going to be able to see them walk by. It's going to be the most amazing Snapchat story that anybody's ever seen. 
So we looked forward to it, went to bed early. Everybody, hey, we're going to have to get up. We're going to get ready to go. We got up the next day. Our friends, Ken and Christine, were there, and they're like, hey, we'll have everything ready for you to go. There'll be breakfast laid out for you. Take whatever you need and go. And we're like, yeah. So we got our backpacks. We had our phones. We had our chargers, all that kind of good stuff. And we get ready to go. And Liam reaches out to open the door to the front door. And where Ken and Christine live in a part of London, um, it's not necessarily the safest place to live. It's not the safest place to take your young family, if you will. Um, so we went to open the door, and it was locked. And I said to Rach, hey, do you have the key? And she goes, yeah, I think I, think I have the key somewhere. And I go, well, we need it because we're going out there, huh? And she's like, I don't know where, where it is. I go, well, you're the one that had the key. <laughs> and I'm the kind of guy, like, it's 748. It takes us about 42 minutes to go in on the train. That gives us about a seven-minute walk. That means when we arrive here, it's going to be 841, and we need to be there at 845. And they're like, y'all need to calm down. You're a crazy man. And so this whole time, I'm like, where's the key? And she went upstairs, and she looked for the key. She came back downstairs. She's checking her pockets. She's checking my pockets like I stole the key. Like, no, you're responsible for it. Long story short... What had happened is that Ken and Christine had gotten in late the night before, had locked up the door, and had taken the key with them into their bedroom. Now, this whole time, I was saying some not very nice stuff under my breath about my wife. Work in, work in progress. And so we finally woke them up, and it was one of those awkward things where you have to go up to a married couple's closed bedroom door, and you, like, knock, and you... Hope they come out fully dressed. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Rachel's looking at me like, don't say that. (laughs) Sorry. And so finally they came down. They unlocked the door. Hey, we're really, really sorry. You could still make it. You could still get there. And it was like that scene in Home Alone where they're running through O'Hare. And I'm like basically dragging our littlest one behind me. He like can't keep up with me. I'm like, you better come on. And we're on the, we get on the train and it, took, it seemed like it took forever for the train to finally arrive where we needed at the station. We get on, and here's what it was like. The four of them <laughs> sitting on one side of the train, me on the other side of the train just like stewing. Like, we're never going to make it. We're never going to make it. We're never going to make it. Let me tell you, spoiler alert, we didn't make it. Oh, yeah, it gets better. Um, so we get off the train. We get off. And I'm like, we're supposed to be there right now. We get to the place. They said, go to this statue. The tour group is going to be there. Be on time. We get there four minutes late. Tour group is gone. Now, it's not like one of those streets where you can just look at the street and like, oh, I'm going to follow them down there. It like had five different streets going out in one little place. Not my proudest husband, father moment. (laughs) I handed the tickets to Rach and the map and I'm like, you figure out what we're doing the rest of the day. <laughs> it's just funny. It's good, right? But you see, I say all that because I like order. I like things just the way they're supposed to go. I like things to be planned out to a T. But I've also learned that when God woke me up in the night, I've learned throughout that process that when God changes something, when God puts something in my heart, I followed Jesus long enough to know that I'm going to be obedient to what he says. So if tonight things come out a little bit different or it doesn't really make much sense, please know that this is a message that has been deep on my heart over the last 
12 to 18 hours. And I believe that there's some of you in here that just need to hear that today. Because you see, this week, as I said, has been a little bit difficult, not only for Rach and myself and our family, but kind of our extended family, the King family. It's been a hard week for this church. You see, I was at a meeting Monday night and and Rach texted me in the meeting and she said, "Um, Ken, who we stayed with in London for that whole time, um, he's had a massive heart attack and is unresponsive. And I texted her back, are you kidding? Like, how is that even possible? Like, he was just down here on this front row about five or six weeks ago. I just talked to him. And she texted me back about six or seven minutes later and said, he's passed away. And in that moment, this was a young man who was still pretty young. And if you saw a photo of him, you'd be like, that's not a young man. But I'll tell you, Ken Williamson had a full life in front of him. He had a full life still to lead. You see, Last month, we do this thing at Riverside, and it's called All Staff. And once a month, we all come together with the Dream Center and Riverside, and we sit down together, and we have either Pastor John or another leader that comes in and just kind of shares with us what God's put on their heart. And you see, that time in that All Staff, about five weeks ago, was the last time that I ever heard Ken speak. You see, he spoke on integrity which I think is a topic that's so important to so many of us because I think in our society today, oftentimes we lack integrity, myself included. And yesterday morning I went back into my office and I opened up my journal where I take notes from different messages or different things I go to. And I started reading all the notes that I had taken that day. You see, it was all about living to be the man or the woman that God had created you to be. You see, tonight we're kicking off a series called Vampires. And it's all about dealing with people who sometimes are hard to deal with. All about people who kind of can be a little bit annoying at times. And you see, when I look back at the notes I took from Ken's message, I don't know that I could tell you anything better than what he did. You see, He gave us five really practical steps for just what our life should look like. And tonight, I want to share with you those five steps, those practical ideas that he shared with us. And I'm going to give you my own little take on them. But if you're taking notes tonight, as we kick off this first week, we want to give you just some practical ways to combat the vampires in your life, to deal with the people who sometimes are really overwhelming Really, really hard to love. Really, really hard to live with. And we're going to start with number one. First of all, study the Bible to know what is true. You see, I love what it says in Ephesians 4. It says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever they sound like the truth. And tonight we're going to go through these pretty quickly because we have just a limited amount of time. You see, I don't know about you, but throughout my life, I've let other people define me. I've let other people label me. And I wish I could say that's something that's so far in my past, but there's still times in this day and age that I still struggle with it. And you see, every time I start to feel less than, or how could God ever use me, I always go back in the word to see what God says about me. And you see, 
Over the last several months, I've really struggled with this because it's very easy. I'm kind of a people pleaser. Is there any people pleasers in, in here that are like me? Holly, you're my people. Because, and some of you just said that just to make me feel good because you're trying to please me. But you see, there's so many times over the last few months where I've kind of fallen into this trap and I've always gone back into the word. And you see, I'm always reminded what God says about me. You see, he says, I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm a new creation. I am set free. I am complete in him. Because you see, you have to know the truth to be able to block the lies that people say about you. You need to know what God says about you in order to push back against the lies that people want to put over your life. You see, second thing that ties right into that is you have to apply God's word daily. You see, in James it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Can I give you the Michael translation of that? Otherwise, you're just a stinking idiot. So if you're not listening to God's word and you're doing what it says, I'll tell you, you will never step into what God has for you. You see, the perfect example I could ever tell you of this is, I told you many, many times, I love Ace Teams. I love Caitlin, what she's doing this year in Ace Teams. I love last year's team. And one of the things that happened about a year, almost a year, like a couple days ago, is we invited them over to our house for dinner. And uh, (laughs) calm down. But one of the things uh, is we made orange chicken and we made rice. And I was like, I'll, I'll go on the record and say it, it was rice. Anyway, we, uh, we had this bag of rice and I, there was, my whole family was eating. There were five ace teamers eating, well, kind of four, gluten-free girl didn't. Um, but so we made this and I bought this bag of rice and I looked at it and I was like, okay, here's what it's supposed to do. But you see... I didn't follow the directions, I guess, like you were supposed to. I was making, like, enough rice to feed, like, all of Pekin. I don't really know. I don't know why I needed seven bags of rice. But, you see, I started to make it, but I didn't really. I thought I knew what I was doing. You see, I thought I knew better than the directions that were on the bag of rice made by the company that specializes in cooking rice. Well, long story short, Sid's saying it, did, it wasn't rice. Well, that was because we, we, we started to scoop it up. And I'm like, would you like some rice? And everybody was very kind to me. And they're like, yes, we would love that. And you put it on the plate. And you had, it was one of two consistencies. It was either really crunchy, <laughs> like birdseed, or it had burnt in the bottom. And you got like the burnt crust stuff at the bottom. There was no in-between. You see, I say that because... It's a lot like God's word. You may read God's word and you may feel like God's speaking to you and telling you to do something. But if you don't follow through, if you don't listen to that, I will tell you, you're going to be just like that bag of rice. You're never going to fully be what God has created and wanted you to be. And you see, number three, remain faithful in spite of your circumstances. You see, all of us walk in here with stuff baggage, garbage that's going on in our lives. You see, the great thing that I know about Ken and Christine and their girls is that in spite of all of this, you see, their family is staying faithful. Even during this difficult time, they're believing that God has something in that season for them. You see, because that's a family 
that's gone through the worst. And they've seen God show up time after time after time again. They've seen God do miraculous things in their family. They've seen God do miraculous things in their church. And so they believe, why would we start to question now? Even when this makes no sense, even when this happens suddenly and we are grappling with answers and we're mourning the loss of our husband and our dad here on earth, we know that God's still there in spite of it. Because I love what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even when we cannot see it up ahead. I don't know where you are right now, but I know there's some of you, you feel like you're in that tunnel, that dark place, and it's hard to see anything ever getting better. You see, one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible is that you had the disciples and they were in the middle of the lake and the storm started at about 3 a.m., And they worried and they saw this guy coming towards them and they thought it was a ghost and they got a little bit scared. But you see, in the Bible, it says that Jesus saw they were in serious trouble. He saw them and he goes on to say, don't be afraid, take courage for I am here. I love that story because even though they couldn't see him, God was still there. And for some of you, you're in a season right now where it feels like he's a million miles away from you. Can I kind of give you some encouragement today? Even when you can't see God, he still sees you. You see, because there's times in my life where I felt like I'm just going this alone. Where nobody else cares about me. Man, God is a million miles away from me. And when I look back on those seasons of my life now... I see that God was there every single step of the way. You see, number four, people of integrity refuse to be persuaded by others. They refuse to be persuaded by others. You see, when I was in third grade as a teacher, I had this, one of my least favorite things at the end of the day was to go through the tray and get out all the assignments. Because what invariably would happen is you would have two or three people that hadn't turned in their assignment. And I would have to go track them down. And one day I went to this boy and I said, hey, where's your assignment? And he's like, well, George told me I didn't have to turn it in. There's always a George. Um, And I go, well, why would George tell you to do that? And he's like, well, because that's what he told me. I go, well, where are you supposed to turn it into? And he's like, well, the black tray. And I go, why didn't you do it? He's like, well, George told me not to do it. And I was like, don't listen to George. Why are you listening to George? Nobody's even talking about. I go, listen to the right voices. I'm the teacher. Listen to me. But you see, how many times in my own life have I failed to take that advice? How many times in my life have I listened to the wrong voices? Where God's telling me to do one thing, but my friends are telling me to do something else. How many times have I done that? Because you see... I've seen in the last year many different people, many different students come to underground. And what starts to happen is you start to see this radical transformation that Jesus has done in their life. And they're on fire for him. They're going and telling people. They're bringing people with them to underground. But you see the thing that starts to happen is that slowly but surely you stop to see them. You don't see them anymore. See, sometimes when I'm up here, 
people think, oh, if I just don't go for a week, Michael will never even notice. Can I tell you, I always notice because most of you all sit in the same exact spot every single week. So I know when you're not there. And you see, what happens is that a lot of these people that come and they learn about what Jesus is all about and they enter into a relationship with him. And what starts to slowly happen is that they start, instead of relying on God to direct their life, they start listening to their friends. They start listening to the boy and the boyfriend or the girlfriend that they probably have a 96% chance of breaking up with them in about six months' time. If you're here with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're going to reverse that trend and you're going to make it. Keep going. There's some of y'all will make it. I believe in you. Others of you, kick them to the curb now. Um, just kidding. I'm just totally kidding on that. But you see, one of the things that I love, and I'll never forget Ken saying this that day in our staff meeting. He said, if you want to conduct the orchestra, you have to turn your back to the crowd. And what he meant by that is that sometimes in order to be successful, in order to walk into what you're supposed to be, to order to walk into your destiny, sometimes you have to turn your back to the people that are trying to get you to go down a totally different road. You see, when you start to do all that stuff, number five becomes a little bit clearer. You see, number five is leave a lasting legacy. What are you building? What does your life look like? You see, I love what Ken said. He said, God does not reject a person of integrity. A righteous man leaves a legacy. You see, I wish you could all have met Ken at some point because that encapsulates who he was. He was a righteous man that has left a legacy. And that's why so many of us are hurting in these last couple days. We're excited for him, but we're sad for us here on earth. You see, He wasn't a man who just said things. He was a man who lived that out. The man that you saw on this platform and the man you saw sitting at lunch were identical. You see, I hope that one day I have just a tiny, tiny percent of the same legacy, the same integrity that that man had. Because you see, every time you're around him, it was like being with Jesus. And I'll tell you, most of you, you hang around me, that's not the first thing you're going to say. You're not going to say, oh, I was with Michael all day, and it was like hanging out with Jesus. No, on it, working on it. But you see, I loved this verse. It says, Psalm 78, 4, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. You see, that's my goal as a dad. That's my goal as a pastor. You see, I want you to know the amazing things that God has done in my life, the amazing things that God has done in your leaders' lives, the amazing things that he did throughout his time on earth that's recorded in the Bible. You see, the last line I ever heard Ken Williamson preach was this. If you walk correctly, the blessing of God will follow you. And for some of you, you need to tattoo that on your arm. If you walk correctly, the blessing of God will follow you. You see, last year when we had the opportunity to stay with them, man, they took such great care of us. 
you know, one night they had a barbecue for us and, and Christine said, let me go get the dessert. And she came out with seven different boxes of ice cream cones. And she goes, I know what you like. She goes, I didn't know what you liked, so I just went to the store and I bought every kind of ice cream they had. It was like heaven. I want to text back and say, I'm never coming home. Pack up our house. Somebody take our dog. And I wouldn't leave her. I love her. I love her. But you see, they were Jesus to us. They got up obscenely early in the morning to drive us to the train station. They told my boys about this toy store. And we went and we were there for like three hours. And I got back and I said to Ken, I was like, dude, I don't think they're used to having people say, call British guys dudes, but I did it. I was like, we were there for three hours. And he's like, wasn't it amazing, mate? He's like, yeah, my boys loved it. You see, they loved our kids just as much as they loved Rachel and I. You know, they were, they were here not too long ago for Ben's birthday. And you see, kind of the cool thing about it is they've almost become part of our family because every August they would come to the States and they would go to a conference. And then after that conference was over, they would come down here and, and that weekend always fell on our Ben's birthday party. And when we were leaving the UK last year, Ben went up to Christine and he said, I'll see you in a few weeks at my birthday party. Because you see, Ben just thought that they came just for his birthday. That they flew through the night just to be there for my eight-year-old's birthday. We never told him otherwise. You know, as all this was going on in the last couple of days, Rach was on the phone. And, he, and Ben said to her, he said, is Christine still going to be able to come to my birthday? Because you see, they had invested in our family like ways that you would never even stinking know. Josh, can you hand me my phone real quick? And I hope I don't embarrass this, but I love this last night um, because like I said, our kids grew to love Ken just as much and, and I'll apologize to him about this later, but my Liam, who's feisty, he can scrap it, he can give it to you, but can I tell you, I said to somebody tonight, there is no one that loves people and has a heart for brokenhearted people like that boy. I love him. And you see, uh, last night he, he posted on Instagram, and, and like I said, I'll probably get kicked in the shins after this. But he said, and I, I don't know that I could have ever said it better than this. And if you don't follow him, go look it up. Lil Richa, he'll love it. I got you some extra followers tonight, dude. They'll save me, save me. It said, he posted a picture of Ken and Christina. And it said, you are such a good pastor, and the last time I heard you preach was when you were talking about being afraid. And that was actually a time when I was being afraid. And once I heard you preach that sermon, I haven't been afraid since. Love you so much, Ken. Gone, but never forgotten. You see, we talk a lot in the church world about sometimes do pastors get too old? 
Do sermons get too boring? Does the church become too irrelevant? Can I tell you, that's a 60, 70 year old man that influenced all three of my kids in such a powerful, massive way. And sometimes maybe you feel like that. I'm too young, I have nothing to offer. Michael, if you knew my story, I don't have anything to share with people. Who's gonna listen to me? Because many of my friends know exactly who I am and what I've been through. You see, I was like that. Many of you know my story. You see, because when we were visiting Ken and Christine a year ago, God was starting to do something on my heart. And I didn't know what it was. And I had all these excuses about why I wasn't going to do it. And on our last night there, we had this barbecue at their house. And during that time, we were looking at, man, could I be a youth pastor? Like, I'm a 40-year-old old man. Like, who's going to listen to me? I'm wearing shirts that people don't even understand. Like, And I remember I was talking to Ken that night and I shared, hey, here's what I'm kind of wrestling with. And I wrote it down in my journal that night. And here's what he said. He goes, Michael, God's called you to this. It's apparent just listening to you that God's preparing you for something. And I wrote this down. It says, God often uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And can I tell you, that stuck with me. And I'll never forget it because I'm just an ordinary person. You see, that time with Ken, it changed my life. You see, it changed the trajectory of my life. And you see, that man will always be part of my story. Because you see, when we flew back here, I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, whatever you wanna do, whatever adventure you wanna take my family and I on, I'm willing to do it. You see, Most of us sit here today and you think you have a long story ahead of you. You have a long life ahead of you and I hope that's the case. I can't wait to sit back and watch the adventure that God's gonna take each and every one of you on. You see, I hope I get to be front and center to it. You see, last week I was on the front row and if you were here last week when Rach spoke, it was amazing. You see, every time she speaks, I always try to be on the front row. I always try to be as close as I can to her. Not just because I love her. Not just because every time she opens her mouth, I learn so much from her. But if I'm being honest with you, I never know when is the last time I'm ever gonna have the opportunity to hear her speak. Because you see, it's weeks like this where we're reminded that life can be gone just like that. The person you're sitting next today, whether you know them very well or maybe you just met them tonight, you may never see them ever again because God may take them home. You see, I love in James 4, it says, you do not know about tomorrow. What is your life? It is like fog. You see it and soon it is gone. I said, to Nat and Malachi yesterday, we were sitting together talking about this and I was encouraging them and I said, guys, 
what you are doing matters. The time that you're investing with students, the way that you're pointing them to Jesus week after week after week, what you do matters. You see, there are people around you every day that desperately need to hear about Jesus. And can I challenge you? Just like Ken was for me, whose story are you gonna be a part of? Who are the people around you that you're gonna share the love of Jesus with them? Who around you are you gonna spend time with? And as we talked about in the last series, sometimes God's gonna put people in your path that are very hard to get along with. But I think the greatest compliment each of us could ever have is when we look back on the legacy of our life is that someone says, I know my place is secure in heaven one day because so-and-so told me about Jesus. They took time out of their schedule so they could point me closer to God. That they showed me what it's like not just to come to church, but to be a true follower of Jesus. You see, the song that we sang tonight, that very last song, I absolutely love it. I heard it for the first time about a week and a half ago. And I don't think I've driven in my car, sat in my office, been sitting at our house, and haven't listened to that over and over. You see, it comes from Psalm 113, and it says, Who is like the Lord, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. You see, God came down from earth. He gave his life and a young boy named Jesus so you know that your eternity is secured. And see, you may have heard this story over and over again, and you sat through message after message after message. But I'll tell you, after this week, I'm more convinced than ever that my life is going to be one where I just want to tell people about Jesus wherever I go. Because you see, life is too short. I don't ever want to look back and say, if only I had spent time and told them about Jesus. And so tonight... I'm going to ask you just to bow your head right where you are. And two things I want you to be thinking of. You see, if you're somebody who's already entered into a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you again, whose story are you willing to be a part of? Who are the people that God has put in your home in your row, in your school, in your life that don't yet know him and that you can start telling people about Jesus. And I know when you start thinking about that, God is gonna start dropping person after person after person. And that's gonna be my challenge to you this week. Find opportunities to share the love of Jesus wherever you go. It may be scary. You might feel like you're unprepared for that, but God's gonna give you opportunities to do that. And second of all, in a room this size, with some of you who I know very well and some of you I don't know at all, some of you tonight, as I've been talking, 
you may be in this place where you're like, the Jesus that you're talking about, I don't even know. I've heard him. I've read about him. Somebody's talked to me about it, but I've never truly stepped into a relationship with Jesus. That Michael, if like you're saying, my life ended tomorrow, I don't know where I would go. I don't know what the rest of my story would look like for eternity. But maybe for some of you, tonight is that night. Maybe for some of you, tonight is where you cross that line and you step in to what God has for you. And so tonight with every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around, if that's you tonight and you're like, yeah, Michael, I don't know if that were to happen to me, I don't know where I would end up if it's heaven or hell. And tonight, I wanna cross that line and I wanna step into all that God has for me. If that's you, without anybody looking around, will you just raise your hand? Because I don't want the moment to pass where you say, I don't know what would happen to me. If it all ended today, I don't know for sure. And so everybody here, will you just repeat after me today? Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner I know that you came and died for me. And tonight I put my life in your hands. I pray that you take away every bad thing I've done. I pray that you would wash me as white as snow. And today starts a new chapter, Jesus. A new chapter where I follow after you for the rest of my days. I love you and I thank you and I look forward to spending eternity with you. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with Underground students, follow us on our socials at UndergroundPIA.